friends, and welcome to Because CONCACAF, the podcast where we break down all the action and all the craziness from the Confederation of North and Central American and Caribbean Associations of Football. With Don Palumbo, I'm Andy Lohman, and we're here to preview the 2023 CONCACAF Gold Cup. And while we're coming off a dominant showing from the United States and the Nations League just a few days ago, the Gold Cup, at least in theory, is our true regional championship. Most teams did qualify for the Gold Cup through the group stage of the Nations League. All group winners and runners-up in League A and group winners in League B qualified automatically, while last-place teams in League A, runners-up in League B, and group winners in League C all qualified for the preliminary knockout tournament. Now, if you'll allow me to elaborate, there was one notable exception to this system in the most beautifully CONCACAF way possible. So by winning Group C in League B, Nicaragua qualified directly for the Gold Cup for only the fourth time in their history. Outside of Belize, they're probably the weakest Central American team. They've never even made it out of the group stage at the Gold Cup. And I thought this was a big moment for them. In the words of Lee Corso, not so fast, my friend. Right before the Nations League, CONCACAF announced that Nicaragua was disqualified from the Gold Cup for fielding an ineligible player in eight matches. Player in question is Richard Rodriguez. Excuse me. He was born in Uruguay. He moved to Nicaragua in 2018 when he signed for Real Esteli. They're the dominant Nicaraguan club team for basically the entire 21st century. He became a naturalized Nicaraguan citizen and made his debut in 2019 for the national team. The problem is that per FIFA rules, to switch your nationality because of a move, you have to live there for five consecutive years before you can play for that team. So he would only be eligible this year. And that's if he had stayed in Nicaragua. He actually ended up playing in Paraguay a couple years ago. So I don't know how this slipped through the cracks. I mean, he's played in eight matches. You can tell where he's been. You can tell what club team he's on. Um, the timeline doesn't really add up, but the, so beautifully, CONCACAF, um, he has, and his federation have cost themselves, so they are eliminated, uh, disqualified from the Gold Cup. The trickle-down effect here, Trinidad and Tobago uh, gets bailed out. They take their place in Group A with the USA and Jamaica. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago, I mean, they only qualify for the 2021 version of the Gold Cup by beating French Guiana on penalties, so kind of a big windfall for them. In the prelims, Antigua and Barbuda takes their place. Um, and Trinidad and Tobago also keeps, or sorry, also takes Nicaragua's place and returns to League A in the Nations League for 2023-24. Nicaragua, who initially would have gained promotion, they're actually going to remain in League B. It would not be a CONCACAF Gold Cup without some weird roster controversy. I've talked long enough. Dom, big picture, what are you looking forward to at this Gold Cup? I may or may not have had to... Uh stifle a little bit of laughter as you were discussing that but no uh at the end of the day it's the gold cup uh i think you you and i are an equal level of excited um for this competition i think it brings a lot more randomness and just concacafiness um that any other competition just simply can't provide um one thing i wanted to mention uh, can you believe it's now been 10 years since you and I made our first maiden voyage to the CONCACAF Gold Cup? Uh, Andy and I were at the 2013 CONCACAF quarterfinals in Baltimore, Maryland. We sat, let's see, we, la- we left four hours before kickoff 
of the USA El Salvador match and were sprinting to our seats to make it in time because we sat through at least an hour and a half of traffic on I-95 to get there. Sat through a rainstorm, watched the U.S. trounce El Salvador 5-1, watched former D.C. United, no, current D.C. United great Andy Nahar score the lone goal in Honduras' quarterfinal win over Costa Rica in match two, and then proceeded to sit in 900 more hours of traffic, not even on the highway, in the parking lot. Kid Cudi's first studio album played two whole times. I think we listened to soundtrack to my life at least three times. I think we have gone through the whole thing three times. The best part about that is we weren't even in a parking lot. We were just like under 95. We were under the overpass where (laughs) we parked for $40. At one point we had been sitting in traffic for so long. We just immediately pulled off into the shell so we could go to the bathroom because we've just been waiting for so long. And I'm pretty sure. Pretty yes. sure me and a Honduran fan took a leak <laughs> behind the shell. You took a leak behind it. I was the lone one in it. I think we ended up getting you a Mountain Dew and me some sketchy slushy from whatever the shell was that day. What a time. I think we got back to Manassas at like two in, one the, in morning. the morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We missed the exit on more than one occasion. What a day. It was, it was a shutdown 95 South. Anyways, um, I mean, that that was the era of like mixed discarude. US he, scored, he, he scored that day. Yeah. Eddie Johnson scored seconds after coming off the bench. He oh, was right. I think he, he, was with he his first dyed touch. his hair blonde. And that was in the day when you could bring replacements in after the group stage. So you could play yeah. the group stage and then bring in new guys. That is how we won both the 2013 and 2017 gold cups. Anyway, we can get into that later uh, in all big picture. Um, I'm super amped. Um, I think the prelims provided a decent bit of drama, although I can't say I followed incredibly closely um, given the fact that the nation's league was going on, but man, I'm, I'm super excited. I think this competition is you and I's bread and butter. I think if you're an OG U.S. men's national team fan, I think the Gold Cup is really what makes you get up in the morning. Um, I think I think there's going to be a ton of drama. I think we're going to get to see what some of the younger guys on the U.S. men's national team are made of. Um, I think we're going to get to see what the whole region is made of. Um, teams like Jamaica, Costa Rica that didn't get to play in the Nations League, Honduras, they're going to bring their best 11s. And I'm interested to see if they're able to take advantage of the opportunity with teams like the US, Canada and Mexico maybe bringing slightly weaker sides than they normally would to this competition uh if this was a normal cycle. So, I'm super excited and I'm really excited to get into it this evening. You mentioned the prelims. Uh let's recap those really quickly. So, 12 Please team, do. 12 teams made the preliminary tournament. Um they were basically divided into three different four team single elimination uh kind of mini tournaments. So we mentioned Antigua and Barbuda. They were taking the place of Trinidad and Tobago in the prelims. They had, I, I think it was less than a week to scramble a roster to get together and get to Fort Lauderdale, which is where all these uh, matches took place, uh, future home of Lionel Messi in Inter-Miami. Um, so they got smacked by Guadalupe in that opening round, 5-0. Um, kind of hard to think of any other outcome for that. In- interestingly enough, those two teams are actually in the same Nations League group. Antigua and Barbuda beat Guadalupe twice. Um, but Cuba actually won the group 
um, and qualified directly for the Gold Cup. In uh, the other first-round match in that bracket, Guyana beat Grenada in a penalty shootout. Guadalupe beats Guyana 2-0. Um, all those final second-round prelim matches were yesterday, and every single one got delayed by weather. Like, I had to go to bed. I was trying to watch all of them. I had to go to bed because I got pushed back so long. So, in a weather-delayed match, Guadalupe beats Guyana 2-0. First goal was like an awkward own goal from across. Um, but I will say the second goal was an absolute banner of a free kick by Andrew Gavrion. Um, so Guadalupe makes it back to the Gold Cup, the second kind of mini bracket. Martinique handled St. Lucia 3-1. to one. Um, That was St. Lucia's first kind of not really Gold Cup appearance, but any kind of prelim appearance of any kind. Um, in the other match, Puerto Rico and Suriname, scoreless draw, so it went straight to penalties. Uh, interesting. So Joel Serrano made a ton of saves in the match to keep a clean sheet. They did the classic, you know, shootout keeper. Sebastian Cutler de Jesus came on, made a huge penalty save. Puerto Rico. My absolute boy right there. Uh, Shout out to the Charlotte 49ers. Hashtag gold standard. Absolutely. Uh, Made a huge save in the penalty shootout. Puerto Rico advances. Pretty big upset there. Uh, Unfortunately for Puerto Rico, Martinique held them off 2-0 in that final prelim round. Uh, Brian LeBeau, who plays for Lausanne Sport in Switzerland, found some space between the center backs, flicked a header home. Um, from a floated cross in the 50th minute. To Puerto Rico's credit, and not a team you think of when you think of soccer, definitely more of a baseball country. They apply a lot of pressure. They had a ton of chances. I mean, it looked like they were going to get an equalizer. They're on the up. They're on the yeah. up. Genuinely, look for them, I think, too. And we can talk about this in future episodes, especially in the fall when we get into that next edition of Nations League. Look for them to compete to potentially make it to League A next year, I think. Yeah, I mean, so this year they were in League C, uh, won their group, got promoted to League B for the first time. Um, they were applying a lot of pressure. They actually got a red card, um, which I thought was kind of harsh. I mean, there's a guy that was like dribbling. He lost control of the ball, kind of lunged for it, caught a dude, studs up. I guess by the letter of the law, it was a red, but harsh considering the circumstances. They still looked dangerous after that. The second goal, <laughs> the match got delayed because of weather again. The match is going on. I'm watching the broadcast, and this is super CONCACAFI too. The loudest thunder boom you've ever heard in your life. Nothing happens. Just, like, keep playing on. Like, okay. I mean, you and I have worked in sports. Like, the standard is generally, like, if there's any lightning strike within, you know, 12 or 15 miles, they everyone call immediately it. has to, like, leave the field, and you usually have, like, a 30-minute period as long as there's no strikes to get back. So eventually they called, they, they didn't call the match. They postponed it with, we're like two minutes into stoppage time. And there's like still two minutes left. Took everyone off the field. At this point, Martinique is like, why are you not just calling the game? Like we want to win. They, it, I, it was like a 10 minute break. Like definitely not the industry standard of waiting for the strikes to clear. They brought them all back on. Um, and within that, so Puerto Rico had sent everyone forward, trying to get an equalizer on a corner. And Martinique cleared it, and there was an empty net. So they they, they went to nothing. Um, but I mean, like you said, I mean, big ups to Puerto Rico. Definitely a valiant effort. Martinique returns to the Gold Cup. The spiciest uh, mini bracket, uh, St. Kitts and Nevis beat Curaçao on penalties. Pretty big upset there in that first round. Curaçao was a quarterfinalist in 2019 in the Gold Cup. Ranked 88th in the FIFA World Rankings. St. Kitts and Nevis, 139. Uh, they move on to play French Guiana. French Guiana handled our friends St. Martin uh, four to one pretty easily. 
Uh, brace from Arnold Abilinti in that game. But St. Kitts and Nevis did it again, went to another penalty shootout, one on penalties again, beating French Guiana. Uh, Taquani Williams scored a rebound goal uh, to get St. Kitts and Nevis the lead in regulation. Abilinti ended up equalizing on a penalty after a handball. St. Kitts and Nevis, first ever Gold Cup appearance. You love to see it. Their nickname is the Sugar Boys with a Z, and I love that so much. They will be in the United States group. Uh, that's going to be fascinating to see. Um, any any thoughts on the prelims in general, Dom? No. No, it's fun. It's chaos. It's terrible. I, I feel like CONCACAF was tweeting that there was a weather delay every 10 minutes uh, during all three days of competition. Um, I think it's, it's a great added bit to – I, I don't even know if I want to call it the gold cup, but I, I think it's awesome that for all of CONCACAF's CONCACAFiness, um, I one thing I do think they're doing very well is the Nations League and providing these uh, smaller countries and smaller teams more opportunities to play matches that matter. Um, the fact that Puerto Rico was that close is only going to build their confidence moving forward. Um, French Guiana being in a situation like that is ideally only going to help them when they're in tight matches down the line. Like I think at the end of the day, you can call it chaos. You can call it stupid. It's probably all of those things, but it only helps grow the game in this region. And the more teams you get playing matches that matter, the better it's going to be for everybody involved. Um, and I guess for the listeners at home to give you a picture of where those teams ended up. So Andy mentioned it earlier, St. Kitts and Nevis uh, gets put into the U.S.'s group in Group A. So Group A is the U.S., Jamaica, St. Kitts and Nevis, and Trinidad and Tobago. Group B was the lone group that was already decided after the draw. That'll be Mexico, Haiti, Honduras, and for whatever reason, guess and 2022 World Cup hosts Qatar, who are semifinalists in 2021 and actually showed a decent bit in that competition before losing to the U.S. 1-0 in the semis in Austin. Um, group C, uh, we kind of alluded to it in the last episode. Uh, the group that we think might be the kind of the spiciest of, of the group stage, that'll be Costa Rica, Panama, El Salvador, and French Guiana. Um, or no, Martinique, 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 sorry. Martinique, not French Guiana. French Guiana just lost St. Kitts and Nevis. Anyway, uh, and Martinique, uh, fascinating stuff about that group. Panama, Costa Rica, and Martinique were all in the same group in League A uh, during this last edition of the Nations League. And El Salvador, I think you and I have said, and we'll get into it later, is is a team to watch in this tournament. So I think a lot of spiciness could come from that group. The fact that two of those teams have to go home um, is pretty fascinating, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of Panama or Costa Rica don't see themselves into the quarterfinal round um, come the 4th of July. Um, and then that final group, Group D, arguably kind of the biggest yawner of a group, Canada, Guatemala, Guadalupe, and who in the hell is the fourth? Uh, Cuba. 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 If Canada doesn't get nine from nine, even with a water bottle out there, they have done something horribly wrong but we can get into that later so that's how everything stacks up i believe now it is time that we get into a little bit about the competition namely the u.s men's national team and this absolute outrage of a roster we've brought the team is terrible andy why is 
Christian Pulisic not playing 900 matches after playing a full club season. It doesn't matter that Weston McKinney doesn't have a club. He should be playing in the Gold Cup right after winning a trophy, damn it. As my smart-ass co-host has alluded to, this is very much a B team for the United States. Uh, And despite what people will yell about on Twitter – I'm fine with this being a B team. I mean, like you satirically just alluded to, a lot of the, a lot of our A team, the European players, have had a long season with a World Cup in the middle of it. A lot of them are in between clubs. They got to get that sorted out, and they just won a Nations League. I'm fine with giving the A team a rest for this. Um, it worked in 2021. We did the same exact thing and won both competitions. And I think a lot of newer U.S. Men's National Team fans don't remember back in the glory days of the Confederations Cup. The non-Confed Cup qualifying Gold Cup years, we would always send a B team. Mexico would send a B team, and it would usually just be an MLS All-Star team. And it was still fun, and you still got guys that would end up playing, you know, in World Cups at high levels. Last year, this is how we got – basically how we got Matt Turner and Miles Robinson into the fold was their performance in the Gold Cup. So for me, I'm personally excited. I mean, it is a relatively MLS-heavy roster, but there's a lot of guys on this roster that are very young, that we haven't really seen a ton of yet, um, that could be fighting for, you know, those backup roles, getting into what may be a 23-man roster at Copa America at the World Cup in 2026. Um, Let's go position by position. We'll start with the goalkeepers. Matt Turner, who I think at this point is pretty much the clear number one, he is back for this competition as well, along with Sean Johnson. Uh, Sean Johnson has not gotten a ton of caps lately. He, he gave up a howler the other day to Nashville, an MLS play, playing, playing for Toronto. He ain't, he ain't playing. He, he did win playing. an MLS Cup. That's cool. He ain't playing. He ain't MVP playing. Continue, but he ain't playing. With New York. And there's also Gagas Lunina, uh, probably our best goalkeeping prospect. He's only 19. He's a Chicago Fire homegrown. Became the youngest goalie in MLS history at 17. He just joined Chelsea in January. Uh, I mean, I, I actually don't know how. I mean, Matt Turner just played both Nations League matches. He played for Arsenal, but basically exclusively in cup competitions. I don't know. Like, do you trot him out for I all think, of these matches too? Do you no, give the other I, guys I a look? You, no, I think you do. I, th- I think the goal for this is to try to get him a move somewhere, whether on loan or in the transfer window to try to get him some regular minutes. Um, look, it, he played well at the world cup. Um, I think he, he was getting more minutes for Arsenal before the world cup uh, because of the condensed nature of the UEFA Europa league. Um, the FA cup, I think starting just before the world cup and um, Arsenal moving on in the Carabao cup. So he got, I think eight to 10 starts. Um, or eight, eight to 12 matches of some amount of playing time before the World Cup, which I think was plenty, um, just because of how condensed the fixtures were. That won't be the case in this upcoming club season. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was some move either by him and his agent or the US, the USSF, uh, USSF um, just to try to get him more minutes and more looks from other clubs to ideally make a move somewhere where he's he's going to play. Um, whether or not he wants to move and is fine being the backup at Arsenal, I don't know. It's clearly shown that it hasn't really hurt his form. Um, I think you saw that with a number of guys in the Nations League. Sergio Destain exactly getting the most minutes 
for Barcelona, and he looked fine um, against Mexico. So I'm assuming it'll be some level of push to try to get Turner a new club. Personally, I would love to see Slanina get some minutes, if not play a majority of the tournament. If I had to guess, since we're playing St. Kitts and Nevis in that second match, I would bet Turner gets to start against Jamaica. Slanina will play against St. Kitts and Nevis. Depending on how the group standings look, like you could get kind of an odd situation where if Trinidad and Tobago draw St. Kitts and Nevis and then draw Jamaica, you could be in a situation where you could win the group going into that final match. Um, so depending on how that looks, I could very easily see Slanina getting the start against Trinidad as well and then just kind of moving forward with whoever the hot hand is into the knockouts. I agree with you that I definitely want to see Slanina at some point. I think that St. Kitts and Nevis match, you know, is probably a perfect opportunity. I'll play devil's advocate with Matt Turner, even without like getting super regular minutes for Arsenal. We saw in the Nations League, he still looked great. I mean, he didn't have a ton to do against Mexico, but he made a lot of good saves against Canada that he had to be sharp for. So, I mean, like he was, you know, an earned clean sheet both times. He was named, you know, goalkeeper of the tournament, whatever that's worth. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I also I don't know that he is looking for. I mean, he just signed for Arsenal like a year ago, and I don't yeah, think they're. I, I think they're satisfied with him. And I think he's satisfied with his. I mean, I think it was clear what his role was going to be. You know, I don't, I don't think anything has changed in their dynamic to force a move. I mean, maybe yeah. maybe in a couple of years, if, you know, Ramsdale continues the pace that he's at and Turner wants to, like, make the next step and be, you know, kind of make an Emmy Martinez move where you're going from the backup at a, you know, a big six club to a starter at a mid-table club. I can see that, but I, I think he stays, for at least for the short term. I, I mean, I, that would definitely be the, I guess, logical thing that would happen. You just like you and I aren't on the ground or nowhere near the program at all. Um, and it just it just wouldn't shock me if this was some attempt of like if he has a gold cup similar to the one that he had in 2021. It, it wouldn't shock me if if other clubs gave him a look and potentially made an offer, because sure. given the the team that we're bringing. No, no offense to these players, but Turner's probably going to have much more to do in this tournament than he had in the Nations League, just given the the caliber of player. I mean, that opening match, I'm assuming he'll have he'll have a good number of shots kind of coming his way that he'll have to he'll have to find a way to take care of. But we can get into that as we go through the rest of the team. Shall we talk about the defenders? Yes. One last note before defenders. I think another factor that we'll probably see more than one goalie the schedule is really condensed for the gold cup it's a lot of matches in a short amount of time and you just guys are gonna need rest i imagine a lot of the squad will rotate mm-hmm. uh defenders um i think left back is probably the thinnest position for the u.s men's national team at the moment and so i think that position specifically i'm very interested in for a couple guys in this camp to see like who can step up and be basically Anthony Robinson's understudy? I think, I think Jenna Robinson basically has that position on lock for the near future. Yep. Um, so there are two, you know, interesting prospects: Dewan Jones, uh, left back for New England Revolution, Michigan State great. Uh, he shares the New England Revolution club record for single season assists by a defender. Um, 
you know, he can get up and down. I mean, he can get good crosses in. He's dynamic. The other guy's John Tolkien, currently not to be confused with the Lord of the Rings author, current New New York Red Bulls uh, left back. Only one cap for the national team and a friendly. Uh, really strong on the tackle. Um, and I think he might actually – he might have the upper hand. I think that's going to be really interesting kind of battle, see who gets the playing time there. At right back, um, you got the old head, DeAndre Yedlin. Uh, easily the most experienced player on this roster, veteran of two World Cups. Uh, um, I think he's a good example of how far we've come. Because if you remember 2014, he was like the up-and-coming prospect. They were talking about like, oh, man, like this guy's the future. And we're here nine years later. And I like DeAndre Yedlin, but there's a lot of national team fans that think he's washed. I'm going to get into that later. I'm going to get into that later. That's fair. Uh, you also have Brian Reynolds, um, not to be confused with the all-star Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, FC Dallas homegrown. He's only 21 years old. He got picked up by Roma, um, has most recently been on loan in Belgium. Um, so I think he's kind of a more dynamic guy compared to Yenlin. Um, center backs, you got you got the old heads, Aaron Long, um, famous whipping post of U.S. Men's National Team Twitter. He's currently at LAFC. Uh, he broke out as one of the better center backs in the league for New York Red Bulls. He has not impressed me a ton with his time in the national team, so I, he's kind of low on the list of guys I want to see in this camp, but he is there. Uh, Matt Miazga, another former New York Red Bull star, uh, helped them win the Supporters' Shield. He parlayed that into a move to Chelsea, which did not really pan out. He mostly got loaned out. He's now back in MLS, uh, but with league-leading Cincinnati and actually having some success, I think his ceiling is higher than Aaron Long's. Uh, you also got Miles Robinson. I'm interested because he picked up a knock in that uh, Mexico match. So I'm interested to see how much he can really go. He's one of the few guys that carries over from the Nations League rosters, although he's, you know, probably our top line center back I've overall. Heard, I've heard right he'll now. be. I've heard he'll be fine, and that keeping him out of the final was more precautionary than anything. Oh, interesting. I mean, yeah. So I've, I've. I've heard he's fine. I don't know how true that is, but I've I've heard he'll he'll be okay. Or I mean, I'm not going to complain about more Miles Robinson. Uh, the final defender, the other center back, the fourth center back is Jalen Neal. He's a 19 year old with LA Galaxy. Not a ton of tape out on him yet. Uh, it could be interesting to see if he gets minutes. Overall thoughts on defenders. Um, I think it's fascinating being somebody that just left working in the sports realm and I now have nights and weekends back in my life. Um, I'm not too familiar with Dewan Jones. I'm not too familiar with John Tolkien. Um, no clue who Jalen Neal is. There's a good number of names. I do know Brian Reynolds, I think is, I think what a few in the U S men's national team media have said is going to hopefully be, kind of the next thing or the the backup to Dest back there from what I've heard. Um, I, I I don't know if I can really even recall ever seeing him play or paying attention to him play, but if many of those media members are saying it, I'm assuming he's got some level of talent to him. Um, I got into Aaron Long last episode. I'm not the happiest that he's there, but given the center backs that we do have, I'm assuming your starting pair is going to be Miazga and Miles Robinson. Uh, Miazga, 2017 Gold Cup champ, um, scored the final goal against Nicaragua in the final group stage match of that year to win the U.S. the group over Panama on goals scored. Not goal difference, wins, or points, but on goals scored. 
The U.S. took down Nicaragua 3-0, and Matt Miazga scored a diving, diving, kind of more like fell into a free kick and scored um, the goal that gave the U.S. the group stage win or the, the win in their group and then eventually uh, helped lead them to that title. Uh, in terms of thoughts, I mean, I don't know. This is just, I guess, kind of a standard B team back line. A couple guys you've heard of, a couple guys that are likely going to be able to break into the first team, and a bunch of guys that we either may never hear from again or it may be another four to five years before they really become a factor in the regular rotation. The one I really want to touch on is DeAndre Yedlin. Um, I think there's been a decent bit of backlash in the back line specifically toward him and Aaron Long. Long is another conversation. I mean, I think you and I both haven't necessarily been fully impressed with what he's shown us in the national team. But at the end of the day, he's big, he's physical, he's athletic. And in a CONCACAF competition, it's likely that he's going to be able to be really successful. That's, again, conversation for another day. Um, Yedlin, I think, is a guy that's honestly just there for glue, there for vibes. Um, he can give you 10 to 15 minutes as a super sub off the bench, I think, to really shut a game down. Um, like, let's say we're we're beating Jamaica 2-1 to one in the 78th minute. I think he's the perfect kind of player to bring in off the bench to really help a young team shut the game down tighten everything up, put a bow on it, and walk away with three points. That's and that was the role team. that he played in Qatar. Exactly. And he's like going he to do, do it a again. job for you still. Yes, and he's going to do it again, and I'm assuming he's going to do it well. And at the end of this competition, I'm going to say that a lot of individuals are going to be saying that one of the most important players on the national team during the Gold Cup will be DeAndre Yedlin. I, I I believe that with every bit of my soul. He's not going to start. Who knows if he even plays a cumulative 90 minutes across six matches, but he's somebody that's going to be huge for these young guys to look to, look to, look up to, and to follow, hopefully on the way to winning a fourth consecutive uh, trophy. I think you look at the roster and there's a number of guys like that and really in each position group. And yes. I'm totally fine with that too. Like, Christian Roldan is like the poster child for, yeah, he's not going to give you, you know, elite world-class minutes, but in terms of leadership and glue and culture, like when you're trying to like these national team camps, you only have a couple weeks at a time before everyone goes off to their club. I mean, it's really important to kind of establish, you know, what that team culture is. And I think the team culture, and we talked about it last episode is in a really good place right now. Um, and we got Weston McKinney using the nation's league trophy as a raisin canes, uh, sauce bowl so I think the vibes are off the charts um so yeah I mean I I think some of the most maligned MLS veteran guys I'm totally fine with me on the roster for that exact reason um well and at the end of the day I think you know you can call it a B team all you want sorry I'm I'm plugging in my laptop I apologize for the potential noise here so dying on me anyway you can call it a B team all you want. These players still want to win. And at the end of the day, you if you're pulling from a certain pool of players, which it looked like they were with this roster, right, you still need to put together a roster of players that gives you the best chance to win. 
And I think some of those older veterans, which we'll get into in the midfielders and the forwards here in a minute, those players help you win. Okay. Let's, let's talk about the numbers. Let's talk about the middle. So midfielders, I mean, you mentioned Christian Roldan. Uh, also to Christian Roldan's credit and resume, two-time Gold Cup champion in 17 and 21. Uh, you also got Gianluco Busio, uh, kind of similar in that central midfielder role. I think his profile is very similar to Luca Della Torre. Um, he was also part of the 21 Gold Cup team. It was a club record signing for Venezia, who's now in Serie B in Italy. I don't know if I'm super high on Buzio. I think he's just like a super mid-tier depth guy. I don't think he's bad. I mean, I think he's like kind of perfect for this kind of competition. Um, but like much of the U.S. men's national team player pool, super young, super high ceiling. Um, in terms of defensive mids, uh, you got James Sands, uh, currently playing for New York City FC and MLS. Didn't really pan out in Rangers uh, in Scotland. I haven't been super impressed with him as well on the national team, but, you know, he's also still very young. Did win a Gold Cup and an MLS Cup double in 21. Uh, the other defensive mid is uh, Aiden Morris, no relation to Jordan. He was interesting because he was named on both USA and Canada's preliminary rosters, um, but he did officially commit to the U.S. Um, defensive midfielder for the Columbus crew, kind of in that Tyler Adams mold. In terms of attacking midfielders, uh, one guy I'm really excited to see and I think might be able to break out is uh, Georgie Mihailovich. Uh, I mean, super exciting attacking mid. Um, he was a Chicago Fire homegrown, traded to Montreal, really balled out there. Started this calendar year at Azed Alkmaar in the Netherlands. Was also part of that 19 Gold Cup team. I think the ceiling's the limit for him. I mean, like he – sorry, the sky's the limit uh, for him. I think he can do a lot in terms of ball progression, in terms of chance creation. I think he's really exciting. Uh, the final midfielder in that group is Alan Senora. Uh, he was on the Nations League roster, but did not appear. Uh, plays for Juarez and Liga MX. Had previously been playing for Independiente in Argentina, which I think is super interesting. You don't see a ton of American players in South American leagues. A lot of times you're either you know, in MLS, in USL, and then you kind of go to Europe. We're starting to branch out, and a lot of it is dual nationals. But having guys play in Argentina and Brazil, those are very good leagues. I think those are leagues that MLS – would like to be on par with, um, especially for those bigger clubs, which Independiente is. Um, so, yeah, I, mean, I think that's just a, kind of an interesting aside. But Alan Senora, uh, super technical on the ball. Um, he's got sauce for days, can play out wide as well. So I think he's kind of versatile. Uh, so yeah, so some, some interesting names, um, some prospects, uh, thoughts on the midfield. Honestly, I think the one I'm really most excited to see is Aiden Morris, just for the fact that um... – you know, he, he plays in MLS. He is a dual national, a number of domestic media talk very highly of him. I've actually never seen him play a full 90. Um, so I'm interested to kind of see what kind of shift he can put in, especially since he, as you said, just recently committed, um, not thrilled about James Sands. I can still see that first half in San Pedro Sula, um, against Honduras and World Cup qualifying kind of pretty vividly back in 2021 when he was absolutely horrendous. Um, so when Tyler Adams was like right back yeah, yeah, a yeah. little bit, um, that yep, was yep, bad. Yep, yep. Yeah, we're, gonna, really bad. Yeah, we're just going to glaze over it. Um, <laughs> either way, that aside, he is a decent young player with potential. I'm assuming he's going to get some pretty decent minutes because – I think he's one of the better players on this team. Um, and I think the the one guy that every 
men's national team diehard is circling is Georgie Mihailovic. I mean, I think I think he's he's kind of that saucy playmaker, him in uh, Sonora that I, that we think can kind of I don't know, maybe be that super sub for a Gio Reyna that can come in and do a job for Yunus Musa at the end of a game. Um, I, I think those are the two that if, again, like I said, if you're a U.S. men's national team stand, you're probably circling both of those names and hoping that each of them get more than one start or play on the field together, given what B.J. Callahan and his cheeseburger egg rolls did in the Nations League. I would like to assume that he might put both of those players on the field at the same time, um, just given what we've seen already. The sauciest midfield from this group, to me, seems like it would be Sonora, Mihailovic, and honestly, Gianluca Buzio, who put in a really good shift at the 21 uh, Gold Cup. That would be a very aggressive midfield. I feel like you got to have at least one of Morris or Sands. To just win the ball back. Sauce only. <laughs> I mean, I respect it. It is the backyard <laughs> yeah, soccer. If it was backyard strategy. soccer, they'd all have the little little yeah. triangles next to their name as forwards, even though they're playing at the back. Um, I do agree that Mihailovic kind of – I don't think he's at Gio Reyna's level, but I do think he very much profiles out to that kind of player, which is always a good thing. That's not a thing that we have had a ton of in the past – like every now and then we'll have like a player like that having, if we have two of those kind of guys, I think that's huge. Well, I think the big thing is, is we've never had depth at ball progression. Yeah. Right. Like we've had depth at a lot of things and we we haven't, we haven't had a ton of things right now. Well, but I, I think that's the thing that should really like, again, call this a B team all you want. This is, this is a team that's plenty good enough to win this competition. Um, And I think, at like, look, man, at the end of this, I'm hopeful that we can say Mihailovic and Sonora are two guys that are going to help carry the program forward, even farther forward than it already is. Because correct me if I'm wrong, like normally in a competition like this, you're seeing a lot of Kyle Beckermans. You're seeing a lot of old Michael Bradley's like, like you're seeing dudes that are very technically sound, but they're not necessarily going to take chances in terms of pressing. And ideally those are two players that when they get the ball in the final third, final quarter, fine. I mean, final half of the field, they're going to try to progress the ball up to the front three as much as possible. And that's super exciting. Uh, two notes before we move on to forwards. Uh, one, I will not hear any slander about our Rossafarian legend, 2014 World Cup legend, Kyle Beckerman. Um, <laughs> second, and I, this reminded me of what also, we were talking about. I just want to let you know, remember when I, I saw this on Twitter because Jurgen Klinsmann is failing as the South Korean manager right He's now. trying to place Sun Hun Min as like a number eight. Re- yeah, this remember, so badly. remember when he tried to make Michael Bradley a true number 10? <sighs> Yeah. It, or or when he tried to make Jermaine Jones a fucking center back in a back three. <laughs> he tried to make a lot of people a lot of different things and it didn't work out super uh, great. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. Um, The other note when we're talking about depth, uh, to go back to goalkeepers for a second, two names we didn't even mention, Zach Steffen and Ethan Horvath. I mean, they're also in the picture. 
we kind of have, I mean, we have always had an embarrassment of riches um, in terms of goalkeepers in the United States. You think about, you know, Tim Howard, Brad Guzan, Brad Friedel, Casey Keller. Uh, I mean, the list goes on there. Tony Miola, if you want to go. Really I, back I'm, in the Tony, I'm Tony Miola. I from uh, backyard soccer. I'm um, interested at that position to see which of Stefan or Horvath are there at the 2026 world cup. Cause yeah. I think it'll be, I think I'm assuming it'll be one of them. I don't think it'll be both because I'm assuming it'll be Turner Slanina. And then one of those two who, wh- where they're ranked one through three, I'm not even going to guarantee that Matt Turner will be our starter at the 2026 world cup. So I'm interested yeah. to see which of those two, um, kind of improves and breaks out over the next couple of years. Anyway. Yeah, I agree. Um, moving on to forwards. We've got six of them uh, on the wing. We got Kate Cowell homegrown from San Jose earthquakes. You and I talked about this sauce, earlier. Sauce. Yeah, tons, like potentially the highest so- sauce quotient. Is that going to be like an official metric for us? It may have to be, if, especially uh, if he's undressing people at this thing. Like if I if I watch him tear some poor St. Kitsanevian defender to shreds in St. Louis, I'm I may go feral a little bit. He um he also just helped the USA get to the knockout stage at the U20 World Cup like a month ago. Um, so I mean he's got the experience at that level. Excited for him. Uh, former DC United great Julian Gressel. Uh, he was actually born in Germany was an All-American at Providence College, um, has played in MLS since then, first with Atlanta United, then D.C., currently having a great season with Vancouver Whitecaps, leading their team with five assists. Um, his strength, you know, playing on the wing, swinging and crosses. I'm kind of interested to see what he does, you know, in the national team picture. Um, we also got uh, the legend and talk about college soccer, Jordan Morse, uh, one of the more experienced players in the camp. Won a national championship with Stanford. Won the Herman Trophy, which is the soccer equivalent of the Heisman. Has played his entire club career with Seattle Sounders, with the exception of a brief loan to Swansea, which I kind of forgot about until I was doing research for this. Did You mentioned this at one point. Scored the winning goal in the final of the 2017 Gold Cup against Jamaica. Was also on the 22 World Cup roster. Ran like he was a freaking T-Rex. because I mean, he's just a bowling ball. Like, he is not the like ideal of like a technical soccer player but he's very much just like pure american forward momentum (laughs) when i when i played i never played at a high level i was a bad soccer player but i remember like in our like house league there was one year we played with a dude named joey and his like his main sport was hockey but he was just like a super athletic dude and wanted to play soccer like for fun too and he almost was kind of like a poor man's jordan morris where it like he didn't quite know what he was doing with his limbs at any given point, but he was just like, just going forward. And like, whenever I was playing up top with him is great. Cause I know I'm just like, I'm just going to put a cross in his general direction. And if I can deflect it off of him, it's probably going to go in. It's great. Uh, moving on. Alex and Dejas uh, was on the nation's league roster. Um, did not play Mexican dual national um, has been a big score for club America and Liga MX. I'm excited to see him start to get some more minutes. See if he can kind of get into that picture as well um in terms of kind of out and out strikers we got our boy jesus ferreira disappointed at the world cup um but has had a great year for fc dallas he's got 10 10 goals in the league i i am probably one of the few jesus ferreira believers i think he still has got some potential um we talked about him like competing for that third striker spot last episode and i can't believe i forgot about this two names not on either of these 
rosters this year that are also going to be in competition for that. Kind of different profiles. Daryl DK and Jordan Peefock, um, who have, you know, both scored for the national team before. Peefock over DK. DK was was pretty pretty mid at the 21 Gold Cup. He was, but then he went back to the championship and was not mid. Like, I, he was not good. Like, I'm not going to deny that he, he did not have a great Gold Cup. But I think when he's in form, he's an interesting player. He's he's physical. I think he's more physical than a lot of our current strikers. He's more of a Josie Altador. Well, I'm just saying, he, he's still in the mix. Despite that, we got Freire at this Gold Cup. Stop making that face of me. Uh, also, Brandon Vasquez is our last forward. Um, another striker uh, prospect has been prolific score for FC Cincinnati, who, again, are leading MLS. Um, he already scored against Serbia in a friendly in one of his three caps so far. So, you know, a, a different mix, a diverse mix of forwards, hopefully some goals in there. Um, I don't know if it's a group that has a ton of future national team caps, but I don't know. I, I, I'm interested this, to see. What are your thoughts? This is a gold cup group right yeah. here, and they're going to score a ton. Um, and I'm, I'm not talking like, I don't think we're going to smash Jamaica four nil or anything. Um, but I, I, I do think this is a brilliant mix for a squad like this. Again, it, it yeah. ladies and gents, it's a B it's diverse. It's, it's a B team, but for the pool of players that we had, I think this is, this is an absolute perfect mix of players. Um, the name, the name that I'm going to be watching is Brandon Vasquez. Um, I'm a Jesus Ferreira stan, just like you, I think. He's obviously not a starter at a World Cup. He likely won't play much at Copa America. But he's definitely a player that I think belongs on the U.S. men's national team on a regular basis. And I think he's somebody that can always come in and do a job for you. Um, I really believe Ferreira is is a great value Balligan just in his, uh, his instinct to make runs off the ball. I think he's one of yeah, he's unlike, great off the ball for uh, sure. Yeah. Unlike Pepe, he, I think he's got a better awareness of when to track back and maybe uh, link up with the midfield when he needs to. Um, he just doesn't have the quality that Balligan has. So he's not as good at finishing every single chance that he gets. Um, He's going to squander a chance or two here and there. May not always be in the right position um, to receive the ball, but I think what he can bring against lesser competition is going to mean that he's going to score a shit ton of goals. But I, I want to circle Vasquez because he was a name that was in the mix to make the World Cup roster back in November. Oh, yeah. Um, he came on so late last season in MLS that he was a name that again, a lot more domestically, a lot of domestic media said, if we can't find a fucking number nine, why not give Vasquez a chance? Um, and the, and the, the fact that Haji Wright got in there over Jordan Peefock is still absolutely bananas to me. So I'll, I'll take your bait DK and Peefock. Yes. Our two names that aren't here. Josh Sargent didn't make oh, the yeah. roster. Matthew Hoppy, I just remembered his name. It's another right, guy. Scored, cool, awesome. He's mid. He scored a goal against Jamaica and missed about 9 million chances in the 21, 21 Gold Cup. That's fine. Daryl DK, yes, uber athletic, uber physical. 
looks more like a tight end out there half the time than he does a forward, has goal-scoring ability, can't do it when he wears a national team jersey. Um, and I think deservedly was left out of and left off of this roster. And I'm not saying he can't play a part or a role for the national team in the future, especially if he has – I think he's – is he still at West Brom right now? I think so. Okay, if he, if he puts in another good season over there in the championship, then okay. We And again, the, the more depth we have at that position is never going to hurt anybody. So the fact that he's your fourth or fifth option, I mean – Come on, man. That's not necessarily the worst thing that could add on no. the U.S. men's national team. Um, going down the list, I think Jordan Morris is, I think, one of those names that honestly may be there more for vibes than anything. I think he's a gritty veteran that can – he's proven he can score when coming off the bench. Um, scored a pretty crucial goal uh, to help lead the U.S. men's national team to the Nations League title. Uh, and that draw at El Salvador. Um, if you lose that match, I think the entire dynamic of the group changes um, going into that March window. Who's to say that we get the one seed? Maybe we have to play. You know, so many things can change. He scored some big goals for this national team in crucial moments. I think that's what he's there for. Um, and then, obviously, Kate Cowell is one that I think and am hopeful is a name that a lot of U.S. men's national team fans will be familiar with at the end of this tournament because I didn't watch too, too much of the U 20 world cup. But when you watch the highlights of the U S he was one of the few that was able to pop off the screen in Fox's three little three minute highlight video, because they don't actually care about making quality extended highlight videos. Right. But I'm assuming he'll be a name that come July 18th, 20th, whatever it is, he'll be a name that a good number of people are going to know. You know, as we're talking about this, who Jesus Ferreira kind of reminds me of, not necessarily in his like profile of skills, but in the role he might be able to play is Brian Chain. Oh my gosh. Like, a, that a, is a remember some guys, Andy. Like a, Save a quality that shit MLS. For the end. Holy fuck. <laughs> Like Brian quality MLS King, player, Houston Dynamo, great. Sorry, Legend. sorry, my bad. Like quality MLS player, always towards the top of like the league and like goals scored. Always in the national team fold. He's never gonna be your top line national team striker, but can like come in off the bench in a pinch and like you know provide some explosiveness. That's kind of who I. I mean, I think that would be the ideal for Jesus Ferreira. Um, I think one of the points that you were almost kind of like getting around as we're talking about all these strikers and really all of these positions is that we're in such an awesome moment for the national team right now is that we have so many guys at so many positions. It's really going to come down to club form. And that's all, like, it's okay. Like it's not necessarily, all right, we have to take these 23 guys because they're our best 23 guys, no matter what it's a, okay. Daryl DK isn't, you know, in great form right now. But Jordan Peafock is, we get to take Peafock instead. And then, you know, maybe the next turn in the next window, it switched. Like that's an awesome position to be in. I also think we're benefiting right now from the World Cup being when it was, because if the World Cup was last summer and let's say you play the Nations League finals in March like you normally would, and this was a regular gold cup, I would be willing to bet that you would see our first eleven at this gold cup. Right. But because yeah. we played the Nations League just a week ago or 
at this at the time of recording a couple days ago, we get the opportunity to evaluate some of these other players. Um, and we get a chance to see if Jesus Ferreira can perform when it matters, if a guy like Cade Cowell can come into his own, if um, a guy like Jordan Morris can establish himself as an old wily vet in the program for the entire cycle. You know, I think there's a lot that we can learn through this tournament that we may not have before had the world cup been when it was supposed to be. Yeah, I agree. Let's um, let's go group by group. Sounds good um, to me. Group a uh, USA. I mean, we just talked about them in depth. Uh, I mean, we've won this competition seven times looking to defend the title from 2021 and tie Mexico's record of eight gold cup trophies. I also have Jamaica. Jamaica's made two Gold Cup finals, 2015 and 2017. They've made it to the knockout stage in four straight competitions. Gave Mexico a run for their money in Nations League as well. Finished a distant sixth in the Ocho. Is is this kind of their moment to break through? I think that's the big question for me, for them. Um, looking at their roster, you got Andre Blake in goal. I mean, he's one of MLS's best goalkeepers at Philadelphia Union. A lot of England-based players, uh, most notably Aston Villa's Leon Bailey, West Ham's Michael Antonio. I think those are going to be who's going to f- provide the attacking firepower. When you look at just the top line, you know, top three or four guys on each roster, you could argue that Jamaica has, you know, some of the best top-line talent of this tournament. Uh, on the back line, look for Minnesota United's Kamar Lawrence to get involved in the attack as well. Trinidad and Tobago. Uh, made the Gold Cup semifinals in 2000, um, but recently have not gotten out of the group stage since 2015. Not a ton of big names for them. Uh, there's a handful of players in like the lower American divisions um, in USL. Kevin Molino is a midfielder for Columbus Crew. That might be a name name to watch for them. And then our boys, the Sugar Boys, St. Kitts and Nevis, Your making boys. their Gold Cup debut. They had fallen down to League C in Nations League this past iteration, but they did earn promotion back up. They are the smallest sovereign nation in the Western Hemisphere by both land and population. Two islands, St. Kitts and Nevis, that make up about 100 square miles and contain about 47,000 people. I did some research earlier today. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and you in, did. in terms of landmass, that's about the size of Tallahassee, Florida. And in terms of population, if you look at basically any like college town in Virginia, so your Harrisonburg, Glassburg, Charlottesville, it's about the population of those towns. Uh, I am all in on the Sugar Boys. Uh, most of their rosters based domestically or in England. Um, midfielder Raheem Somersall does play for North Carolina FC in USL League One. Um, all hail the Sugar Boys. Dom, thoughts on Group A? Uh, one point I do want to make before we get into that is the U.S. is seeking to become the first nation to repeat as Gold Cup champions since Mexico did in 2009 and 2011. Two nations have traded every Gold Cup title since then, with the U.S. winning in 2013, 2017, and 2021, while Mexico won in 2015 and 2019. Um Two sides have met in the last two finals, so just some storylines to look out for coming in. Um, in all honesty, I actually think this is a – I think this group is going to kind of go how we all think it will. Um, 
I think the U.S. and Jamaica could could potentially come away with equal points. Um, I think the the deciding factor in the group is going to be who beat St. Kitts and Nevis by more. No disrespect for that nation. It's amazing that they're in this position. Um, I hope those players have the time of their lives um, getting to play in this competition. Um, they're going to get to play ideally in some stadiums that they've never played in before. Okay. Okay. Jesus. Sugar boys. Sure. Um, you know they're they're, they're going to get it. They're going to get a chance to as as a nation do some stuff um, that many of them probably didn't think that they would get to do. Um, but ideally, if this goes how we think it will, if the U.S. can kind of scratch and claw their way to three points against Jamaica, I'm assuming it'll finish U.S. top, Jamaica second, Trinidad and Tobago third, and uh, Saint Kitts and Nevis. Um, in last um the the one hot take i might have here is the fact that trinidad and tobago starts group play with st kitts and nevis the fact that they could potentially open up with three points right off the bat could really make that jamaica trinidad match interesting um especially if the u.s beats jamaica in in the gold cup opener yes no disrespect to your sugar boys with a z the z Um, but i i it, it look, it'll be an interesting group. I think that Jamaica Trinidad match ideally will be kind of the match of the group to watch, um, just to kind of see how it'll play out. But look, man, the U.S. isn't getting nine points from nine. Um, we got some conversations to have. My hot group A take. I think I think that very first match is the match of the group, the USA Jamaica. I think Jamaica has a lot of quality. The U.S. the U.S. certainly has quality too, but it's a kind of an unknown entity throwing a lot of new faces out there. First game of the competition that's at nine thirty um, this Saturday night at Soldier Field. Apparently, the crowd's going to be really good. Uh, like I, Chicago I think Chicago is a soccer town, by the way. That's the defining match of the group for me. I just I think both teams are well and above Trinidad Tobago and say Kinson Nevis. Um, and I think if the U.S. gets a good result there right out of the gate, that could set the tone for the tournament for them going forward. We'll look, uh, ahead. We'll look ahead to knockouts later, but that to me is – that could be the only challenging match for the U.S. until the semifinals. Yeah. Depending on how it goes. Anyway. The bracket continue. shakes out favorably. It does. Uh, moving on to Group B, our friends to the South Mexico. Um, they've won this competition a record eight times. Their squad is basically exactly what it's going to be from the Nations League, uh, except a new manager. Uh, goodbye, Diego Coca. Hello, Jaime Lozano. Uh, I had not heard of him before today, um, but he did have a 15-year career in Liga MX as a player, most notably as a midfielder for Pumas. In addition to coaching Mexico's under-23 team for a bit, he did have two Relatively unsuccessful stints coaching in Liga MX for Caratoro and Nacaxa. Uh, shout to Mexico. Sure. Also got Haiti, uh, Gold Cup semifinalist in 2019, uh, but failed to make it out of the group stage this past Gold Cup in 2021. couple forwards I'm keeping my eye on for Haiti. Uh, Duckins Nazan. He's got 26 goals and 50 caps for Haiti. That's a pretty good rate. Uh, he plays for CSK, Sofia in Bulgaria. Also, Derek ATN uh, played at UVA um, and has had a pretty successful MLS career, uh, currently playing for Atlanta United. 
And also, Franzi Perot. Um, I did a double take when I saw his name on the roster. He played at Northeastern um, when I was in school at JMU, and they were both in the CAA. Like, I definitely worked JMU men's soccer games where this dude was on the field at Sentara Park. Uh, playing, currently playing for Maccabi Haifa in Israel. So, shout to the Colonial Athletic Association, hashtag 1CAA. Uh, also got Honduras. They were the runner-up in the inaugural Gold Cup in 1991. They made every knockout stage from 2005 to 2013 of the Gold Cup, including four semifinals, but have not been back to the semifinals since then. Um, largely a domestic-based team for them. Cherry Bankston has been around forever. Uh, he played he played for New England Revolution for a little bit. He's currently on Olympia in Honduras, one of their best club teams. Also, Albert Delise was on Houston Dynamo for a bit. If you remember him, he's currently on Bray in France. And finally, we got Qatar. Uh, you moved to this earlier semifinalist in 2021 as an invited guest. Uh, CONCACAF frequently invited guest nations to play in the late 90s and early 2000s. Um, Qatar was actually the first team to get invited since 2005, though. Uh, Brazil, notably, was a runner-up twice. Uh, Colombia lost the 2000 final to Canada. Also, guest nations that have competed at the Gold Cup. Some fun trivia for you. Peru, South Korea, Ecuador, and South Africa. Yippee. Um, considering how well they did at the Gold Cup in 21, I was kind of shocked at how poorly they played at the World Cup that they hosted. They lost every game by multiple goals. Um, I think there was a good bit of schadenfreude from soccer fans watching Qatar who probably should not have gotten a World Cup fall on their face, but I was kind of surprised by it. Um, they're coached by Carlos Quiros, who managed Real Madrid from 2003 and 2004, but more importantly, was the head coach of the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars in 1996, MLS's inaugural season. The entire roster plays in the Qatari League, uh, and Amoez Ali won the Golden Boot at the Gold Cup in 2021, uh, attacker to watch out for him. All right, let let let's. Yes, they made the semis. Let's let's take a in depth look at their run to the semifinals, though. Okay, Qatar, a team that plays in Asia that hosted the World Cup. They won right? the Asian Cup before I'm aware that Gold of this. Cup. Okay, okay. And at the Gold Cup, they drew three three against Panama, who you'll note did not qualify for the World Cup. Correct. They did not, but they were coming off the 2018 World Cup where they did qualify for the first time. Okay. But qualifying was just after that Gold Cup, correct? Yes, it was. They it trounced was. They trounced Suriname. Yippee. Great. You can beat Suriname. Amazing. Lovely. And then I believe they beat Honduras, if I'm not mistaken, to win their group. Yeah, they topped the group. Right. Honduras finished dead last in World Cup qualifying at that time, correct? That's correct. Okay. Then in the knockouts, they narrowly escaped El Salvador, who had chances to even that game at the end. Correct? That's correct. And then they lost to the U.S.'s B team. And who scored the winner in that game? Giazzi Zardes. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) If Giazzi Zardes is scoring the winner against you, probably got some issues. Can we just take a moment of gratitude <laughs> that we're not talking about Giazzi's artists and this? Correct. Cycle? It's fucking amazing, isn't it? I think anyway, he, 
is on anyway. Austin. Anyway, no, he's played okay, like a, half of MLS at this point. It, who cares? I'm gonna leave that rant and just say I do think this is gonna be a very spicy group. I think on Mexico, paper this is the strongest. Group. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think when when you've got a Mexico in turmoil, a talented Haiti Haitian side that has been in this position before, um, and has succeeded in domestic competitions in the past. You've got a Honduras team that, for all intents and purposes, after a, a you know finishing bottom of their of the group um, in qualifying, they beat Canada in the Nations League at home in a match that mattered. I'm assuming there there this is going to be a mini revenge tour for Honduras after absolutely laying an egg in Toronto against Canada, but to potentially make the Nations League finals. And then you've got Qatar, who, yes, I understand that rant I just went on, but they've played in this competition before. They were successful in this competition before. Um, It's easily the best group. I still think Mexico is easily the strongest team. Um, I'm assuming Mexico will win the group with seven points. Um, Who they draw, I couldn't tell you. I'm assuming they would draw Honduras um, and and beat Haiti and, and Qatar, but Crazier things have happened. I think it's the one group that honestly has wild card potential just because I have no idea which Mexico is going to show up. No idea. I I feel like for the banter, Mexico is going to drop a game. Like they're going to lose to somebody. I don't know who either. And still win the group. They'll win the group with like six yeah, points. With six points. And like a plus nine goal difference because they beat Haiti like eight nothing. I can I can see them like losing to Haiti and beating the other two. <laughs> and like Honduras sneaks. I I, I think this one's kind of a, almost low-key a toss. Right, well, now I, I can see it going. Now I got to pull up this schedule for that group. Any number of So ways. Mexico opens with Honduras and Houston. That's like, a big one. Right off the that bat. Is, that is spicy. And then they play Haiti in Glendale. And then we we will be watching Honduras and Haiti in Charlotte. Oh, for those at home. Oh, that's right. Uh, Andy and I, and we have decided to drag our significant others out as well. We will be in Charlotte on July 2nd for the uh, third match day for Group A and Group B to see the U.S. take on Trinidad and Tobago. And Honduras take on Haiti at the beautiful and astounding Bank of America Stadium, home of Charlotte FC in MLS and the Carolina Panthers in the NFL. When we bought those tickets, it was going to be Nicaragua. Correct. It was. It was. It's not anymore. And it's hysterical. Uh, Should we talk about Group C? Let's talk about Group C, Andy. We got Costa Rica. They were Gold Cup runners up in 2002 and have made the knockout round in every tournament dating back to 2000. Also the most recent CONCACAF team to make a World Cup quarterfinal in 2014. No Kaylor Navas due to injury. That hurts their goaltending situation. Arsenal legend Joel Campbell. I feel like he's been around forever. He's only 30 somehow. Just won a CONCACAF Champions League with Leon in Mexico. They got Panama as well in that group. They made, have made two Gold Cup finals in 2005 and 2013. They made eight straight knockout rounds from 05 to 19, but did miss out in 21. As you said, Qatar took their place. Uh, despite finishing fourth in the Nations League, we talked about this on the last pod, still look pretty impressive. 
Uh, we talked about Alberto Carasquia. Uh, my gringo ass cannot pronounce that correctly to save my life. Um, central midfielder for Houston Dynamo. I think he really pulls the string for them. Anibal Godoy, also central midfielder for Nashville and MLS. Two names we haven't talked about that I think could be where their goals come from. Ismael Diaz, he's a forward that plays for Universidad Catolica in Ecuador. Also Cecilia Waterman, uh, he plays forward in the Chilean League. El Salvador has made the Gold Cup quarterfinals six times, has never advanced past that. Um, Is this the year they finally do it? They're coached by Hugo Perez, who I think this pod is a huge fan of. Uh, Hugo Perez, an American who played in the NASL and the MISL in the 80s and 90s, in addition to the U.S. men's national team. Yeah, he did. He coached the U.S. national teams at the youth level for a little bit. Um, has taken El Salvador to a level of competitiveness we have not seen in a while. Um, the player that I think is really interesting on this roster is Alex Roldan, who is the brother and Seattle Sounders teammate of American Christian Roldan. Um, they have dual national dual nationality through their players, Jesus Christ, through their parents. <laughs> um, but is actually one of their like key midfielders in the central midfield. I think that's so fascinating because there's no way. I mean, people don't think Christian Roldan should be on the national team for the U.S. There's no way Alex Roldan ever sniffs the U.S. national team, but he gets to start an international competition for El Salvador. Uh, shout out to the Roldans. Uh, rounding out the groups, Marnique. Uh, had to get through prelims to get here, but they were a Gold Cup quarterfinalist in 2002, although they have not gotten out of the group stage since then. They have at least qualified for the last four tournaments, though. Martinique is part of why I love the Gold Cup. They are a single territorial collectivity of the French Republic. Dropping some geography on you. In layman's terms, they are like, Kind of essentially how the U.S. treats Puerto Rico, but if like Puerto Rico was closer to like the designation of a state, so they're kind of a different country, but not really. What that means in soccer terms is that like in the eyes of FIFA, they're just part of France and not their own country. But for CONCACAF, because of like the majority of CONCACAF members are just island nations, you want as much participation as you can get from like the soccer rich portions of the Caribbean. Say, so, hey, come on in. Like, you can compete in Concord. Like, Guadalupe and Martinique, Guadalupe is in the same situation. Like, they cannot play in FIFA World Cups. They cannot play in the Olympics, but they can play because of CONCACAF's kind of exception for them in the Gold Cup. So, the Gold Cup is really kind of their biggest thing, biggest trophy they can play for. I think that's so interesting. Um, most of their team plays domestically, in either domestically or in France. Predictions for Group C, my friend. I think Costa Rica will be eliminated before the final match day. Wow. That's a hot I, take. I I believe I believe they will lose their first two matches to Panama and El Salvador. I believe Panama versus El Salvador will be for the group C winner. You could talk me into that though. I cause cause El Salvador opens with Martinique to open that group. And then it's Costa Rica and Panama. And I just, without Kaylor Navas, like... It's a huge blow. I mean, he's like, like one of the top goalies in the region. He, he's played for Real Madrid. He's played for and PSG. I, I, I just... Look, man. I, like, he's carried them at points well, recently. Costa Rica is the same team 
that went to the 2014 World Cup quarterfinals. No Brian Ruiz for them anymore, though. Finally. Does he have a cane yet? I, he's pushing He it. needed a cane at the 2014 World Cup, my guy. Uh, I, I just, I don't. Look, Costa Rica was so mid during the Nations League group stage, yes, in part because they had to wrangle with qualifying for a World Cup. They struggled to beat Martinique twice. And they lost at home to Panama when it mattered. Um, I think when you get an older group, um, it's difficult to tell what the motivation level is, um, especially when they didn't make it out of the group stage of the last World Cup. Um, now, it can go completely against what I think, but I just – El Salvador is younger. They're hungrier. Um, I think they're a little bit more sound tactically. Uh, Panama, I think, is easily, easily the fourth best team in CONCACAF on a normal day. I think in a competition like this, where the U.S. and Canada are bringing weaker sides, this this is Panama's chance to make a final and potentially win a trophy. And I don't think they're going to take that opportunity lightly at all. We recently have seen both Panama and Jamaica make Gold Cup finals, and I think those are the two like non-powers. I mean, Canada is kind of different because they haven't made a final in a while either, but they're, they're, a current in, they're in the USA-Mexico tier right now. But I think Panama and Jamaica are the two kind of non-big three teams that have the best chance of making a final. I agree. Shall we? I, I, think, I, I think I agree with your – I think Group B and Group C are the two that are the biggest toss-ups, biggest opportunities for chaos. I think if you put a gun to my head, I would say, yeah, Panama wins, El Salvador second, Costa Rica third. And, and I'll say, I'll, I guess I'll put. But Mar- it to you. I mean, Martinique's nothing to sleep on. They may not be, but I guess I'll put it to you this way because El Salvador also still drew to Grenada in the Nations League, so. Yeah. So they may not be fully something to write home about, but what I I will say is I think they're going to beat Martinique and I think Panama is going to beat Costa Rica, which will leave Costa Rica in a, in essentially a must win situation against El Salvador in that second group stage match. And I think I, I, I may, maybe it's because it's something that I want because I think there's a part of me that wants Hugo Perez to take over the U.S. men's national team in the next cycle. I think there's a part of me that just simply wants him to succeed. And having gone to school and been friends with a number of people of El Salvadorian descent and being a lover of pupusas, I think think in my soul and in my heart, I I want El Salvador – to be a top four team in the region. And I can't fucking explain why either way. I think the match of that group will be El Salvador, Costa Rica. And I think the winner of that match is the team that will advance because I think Panama will get nine points from nine. And I think they'll finish top of this group. Can we take a quick moment to shout out Donia Azuzenka? Absolutely. Absolutely. The best pupusas. You right off find. Liberia wow. Avenue, ladies and gentlemen, next to the McDonald's, adjacent to the LA Fitness. Get you some I've, chicharroni queso. 
Oh, you get and, like and three of those bad boys for like five bucks, a little side and they, of yucca, and a side oh. of yucca with lime and salt. So good. I tried to find. There's a pupuseria in Richmond and the fan, and it's fine, but it's, it's not done yet. Literally like, every place Rachel and I go to, she goes, man, these just aren't as good as your place. And we always get the same waitress because we're the only white people in there. Yep. And they just go, English. And they send us the same waitress every time. She's the only one that can speak English. And it's amazing. And the horchata fucks. The yucca fucks. Mm. So, sorry. So good. Oh. All right. Moving on from Salvadorian cuisine. Group D. You got Canada. The only team outside the U.S. or Mexico to even win a gold cup. They did so in 2000. They made the semifinals last time out in 2021, which was the first time they had done that since 2007. Coming off a runner-up finish at the Nations League. Mostly the same roster, but they're missing a lot of their weapons up front. No Alfonso Davies, no Jonathan David, no Kyle Laren. Um, we got Guatemala, who is a Gold Cup semifinalist in 1996, but has not made the knockout stage since 2011. Very much a domestic-based squad for them. Uh, one MLS name to watch, uh, Rubio Rubin, who plays Real Salt Lake. Could be a goal scorer for them. Cuba are three-time quarterfinalists, most recently doing so in 2015. Last time in 2021, they actually had to forfeit in the prelims uh, after like issues with like visas getting into the country with COVID protocols. Um, so just like a win for them just to be playing here. Really difficult team to scout just by the nature of their country. Uh, Modesto Mendez is a defender for Inter Miami, uh, future Lionel Messi teammate. Guadalupe, uh, we mentioned earlier, kind of that same Martinique situation where this is kind of their World Cup. They were Gold Cup semifinalists in 2007. Um, but have not made the knockout phase since 2009. Lots of domestic and French club teams um, on their roster. Uh, Gavrion, who I mentioned earlier, scored that banner in the prelims. He's actually at Torino in Italy playing in Serie A, so that is a big name for them. Uh, you mentioned earlier, kind of a snoozer of a group. Canada should get nine points. Um, any, any other thoughts on this group? I don't fully know. Oh, I, I could see Guadalupe sneaking into the quarterfinals. No, that's that's I think what I was going to get into. Um, I don't fully know how to evaluate this group just simply because, like, it's unknown. I mean, this this Canada team isn't exactly the one that was just at the Nations League, right? When you're missing multiple dynamic players and goal scorers. Where are the goals going to come from now? I, I'm assuming they'll come from somebody. I'm assuming they'll take care of business and they'll get nine points from nine. Look, man, I don't know how to scout any of these three teams. Logic tells me Cuba will finish second and make it to the quarters. Um, I think we talked about this off off screen multiple times. Um, the fact that Cuba allows its players to play in America and that they don't necessarily have to be fully domestic domestic players to play for the national team, I think is going to help them. Um, they they've did they've actually been playing like international friendlies. Right. And they played, had not been before, which I think will help too. And they did well in Nations League. You top their group. They're going to be in League A again next year. Um, I think they've got the potential to potentially make 
the quarterfinal round and and get a two-legged tie with either Mexico, the U.S., Canada, or uh, Costa Rica. Um, I don't know. It's such a difficult group to to gauge. Like, Looking at their roster, I mean, in terms of where goals are going to come from, you got Junior Hoylet, uh plays for Reading. Lucas Cavallini, I think, is a, okay. a guy that might be a little bit. So, so what I will say saying... similar to – Carasquia for Panama. Uh, Steven Estacquio plays at Porto. Oh, yeah, and he's yeah. actually a Portuguese no, double dual national. Yeah, he's a baller. I mean, he, he's that number eight in the midfielder in the midfield for them. I don't know if he's the guy that's going to be scoring, but I think a lot could run through him. I think he's going to be a key player for Canada as well. Well, and I will say spicy looking ahead to the quarters could potentially be Canada and Jamaica in the quarterfinal round. Yeah, which would be fun. Should Canada take care of business? So, um, I don't know. It's I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty sad group um, overall. Like, I do think there will be some interesting and fun chaotic matches. Um, I mean, come on, man. Cuba, Guatemala. Like, there's no way somebody doesn't, like, chuck a flare at somebody on the field. Or that, like... Uh, a center back doesn't pull like a like a razor blade out of his sock or something. I mean, some some random shit's gonna happen. You're gonna see the official just hoisting a red card at nobody in particular. Like there it, there will be some dumb moments, but like I would assume the winner of Guatemala Cuba will finish in second and make the knockouts. Right. I mean that that's what. That's what logic would tell me. One final note on Canada. Why was John Herdman wearing ear pods during the Nations League? Did you notice how it was like the color of his skin? And it was only one. Like yeah, he- it was as if he was trying to hide it. Like he was in communication with somebody up in the booth. Like he, he looked like the kid in class that is like trying to like sneakily listen to music and not pay attention. Yes. Except just he's a national team major on the sideline of a huge competition. I mean, like, I know, like, there are other sports, like rugby. I- I'm going to expose myself for the nerdy shit that I watch. Australian rules football, I think the coaches do this, too, where they will, like, be in communication, you know, with a a booth or, like, or a lot of times, like, the head coach will be in the booth and, like, they're communicating down to the field. But, like, that's such not a soccer thing it was really interesting or like the other situation gives like a manager gets a red card and so they're up in like the press box or the suite and they're like texting yes. the assistant what to do but like you're the guy <laughs> i don't right. know it doesn't really matter i'm sure they have a legitimate reason it just was hilarious to me like oh john herdman is wearing an has AirPod. airpods and he's listening to a little baby on the sideline <laughs> like <laughs> oh my because Concacaf. um yeah, so group stage starts, you know, Saturday night with USA versus Jamaica, 9.30 p.m. on FS1. Entire tournament will be on Fox's Family Networks, much to my chagrin. Group stage will run through the 4th of July. I think at that point we'll record a pod recapping the action, previewing the quarterfinals. Do you want to give us your knockout round predictions and then take us home? Sure. Um it, the, I love CONCACAF for so many reasons. And one of them is their just lovely ability to just conveniently 
structure a bracket so that the U.S. and Mexico have the best possible chance to play in a final. I will say at least this year, the draw was public. My favorite was right after you brainwashed me in those early gold cups that I watched. Like, there's no draw. You just The group stage just kind of shows up in a press release. And then every year, like the end of May, you and I would be like, who, who, who are we playing in the gold cup this year? And you look at the group stage and you look at how the bracket shakes out and you go, oh, well, look at that. If the U.S. and Mexico win their group, they'll be on opposite sides of the bracket again. Funny how that works. I love it. All right. (laughs) So if you go to the lovely Wikipedia's, the CONCACAF website, You'll notice that groups D and A have been placed together and groups B and C have been grouped together, meaning that first place in group A will play second in group D, first place in group B will play second in group C, so on and so forth. The way the matchups are structured is first place in group D and second in group A will play the winner of first place in group B and second in group C in the semis and vice versa on the other side of the bracket. Which you'll note, if you are paying attention, if the U.S. and Mexico win their groups, they will be on opposite sides of the bracket, thus having the best chance to play each other in the final thus making CONCACAF the most money. So if we go down the bracket, that first quarterfinal would be first place in Group D against second in Group A. Group D was basically all Canada's group. I think it's safe to assume that they're going to win Group D, thus facing the second-place team in Group A, which, again, if it kind of goes how we predict it will, that would likely be the reggae boys from Jamaica, which I think creates a really spicy uh, quarterfinal. Uh, That second quarterfinal, uh, first place in Group B, second in Group C. Um, Again, if it goes how we think it might, you could hopefully assume that that first place in Group B would be Mexico. Given my outlandish prediction from a few minutes ago, that would uh, uh, place Mexico against El Salvador in that second quarter final. Um, Mexico and El Salvador, I think, have played an absolute shit ton in their history, and I don't think El Salvador has had any history like ever against Mexico. Um, Who knows? Maybe in Mexico's turmoil. um, What what is El Salvador's nickname? Don't they have some sick nickname? Uh, La Selecta. Hopefully La Selecta can uh, can give us some amount of a show, maybe push that match to extra time. But I, I think that would tell you that uh, Mexico w- would be the favorites to advance to the semis. In the third quarterfinal, it would be first in Group A against second in Group D. Again, likely the U.S. wins Group A, thus placing them in s- against the second-place team in Group B, which – Maybe Guatemala, maybe Cuba, maybe Guadalupe. I think whoever that third place team is, the U.S. is that second place team is the U.S. is going to be favored to advance to the semifinals for sure. And then that final quarterfinal matchup would be first in Group C, likely Panama. I think, in our opinion, definitely my opinion, against second in Group B, who Honduras, Qatar. 
Haiti. I think no matter who that team is, I do think that ties incredibly spicy. Um, Cause for as much as we've praised Panama at the end of the day, because they're still not in that upper echelon of the Mexico, Canada, U S uh, Canada trilogy. Um, they're, they they could still potentially lose to whoever it is that they play, even if we're calling them a potential favorite to make the final or have a chance to make the final. So absolute sauce there. Again, if it all goes properly, you're looking at Canada, Mexico in the upper half of the bracket in the semis, and then the U.S. against potentially Panama. I think the four teams from the Nations League will make the semis of the Gold Cup as well. That's my prediction. From there, you can just kind of let it play out. I would like to assume, given the nature of what we've seen and the chaos, that you could assume it'll be a USA-Canada final once again. We'll let the soccer gods play it out for us. We'll let the Gold Cup chaos be. Um, Any final thoughts from you on my lovely predictions before I close this out here? I think whoever Mexico – assuming Mexico makes the quarterfinals – whoever they play is going to be an interesting match, be it Costa Rica, be it Panama, be it El Salvador. I don't think any of those are super easy. Well, I mean, like the U S is set up nicely. Like you mentioned that, like it'll probably be like Guatemala or Guadalupe where that's a pretty winnable game. If you take care of business where like Mexico, who we've noted is down pretty stupendous right now mm-hmm. with a new manager, you're playing a motivated Costa Rica team. You're playing a, you know, on the up El Salvador team, I, there there's some potential for chaos. I think that Canada Jamaica quarterfinal could be really fun too. Um, one note on one history note on El Salvador. Do you know how many times they have qualified for the World Cup? Never. Twice. Mm. 1970 and 1982. In 1982, Mexico did not qualify for the World Cup, so that might be El Salvador's uh-huh. best ever moment. Um, those Honduras and El Salvador went in 82. Um, I'll stop looking at my spreadsheet now. Uh, no, that's all I had. All right. Well, we had a great pod. We still got a ton more coming this summer. The U.S. Women's National Team Women's World Cup roster dropped uh, today. A lot of new faces uh, there. A lot of new faces. Some I've never heard of. Some I need to get to know. Some older faces that I've. There's a part of me that wishes maybe they weren't there. <clears throat> Megan Rapino. Um she might she in. might be in the Christian rolled on vibes. I'm hopeful camp. she is all vibes and not play. But we can get into that roster as we get closer. As long as Rose Lavelle plays, that's all that matters. She will. She will. She's the best midfielder in the world. Anyway, we got a ton more to talk about. As we go through the gold cup, we'll likely let the group stage play out. Um, follow us on Twitter for all of our lovely updates, memes, gifts, etc. Um, and then once we get into the knockout stage, we'll recap and preview, recap the group stage, preview the quarters, then recap the quarters, preview the semis, and then finally recap the semis and preview the final, which will be at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, where they had the draw and we watched Alexi Lalas make an absolute fool of himself for a little bit there on quote unquote national TV. I mean, get used to that this summer. Absolutely. We got a ton to talk about, ton more going on. We've got two massive international tournaments to cover over the next couple months. We're excited for everybody that listens. 
Thank you for making us a part of your day. We hope you enjoy the ride with us. And with that, my name is Don Palumbo with my esteemed and much smarter colleague, Andy Lohman. You all have a lovely day. See ya.